Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle, and uh, my privilege to open up the Word of God with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 11 to 27. Uh, you may have it titled this in your Bible, the parable of the ten minus. So Luke chapter 19, verses 11 to 27. So we've been doing a series on money called Counting the Cost, Jesus on Money, and it's been through the book of Luke, and uh, brings us to Luke 19 this morning. And so, let me read the passage aloud, and then we'll dig in it together. Luke 19, 11 to 27. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore... A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. And he said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, You are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you. Because you are a severe man, you take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by him, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we... We come humbly before your word. Father, we thank you for it. Lord, we have acknowledged that you are high and lifted up. Father, we acknowledge that you are king. You are our master. Father, we ask that your word would cut to our hearts. Father, and for some it would be to new life. Father, for us that are your servants, I pray, Father, that you would apply your word by your spirit right now. Father, there's so much application that can come from a passage like this. I pray that you would apply it. And Lord, help us. And Father, would you be honored in how we steward our lives for your glory. Lord, help us. We desperately need you. You are worthy of our service. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you were with us now. And we pray, would you move and just have your way. Lord, accomplish what you would. I pray your word would be uh, preached clearly. Truthfully, Lord, and it would accomplish again what you will. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, today, today's uh, sermon is titled, The Necessity of Stewardship. Necessity of Stewardship. So, a question uh, I wanted to open up our time with was this. I don't know if you've heard the news or not, but uh, Kanye West apparently is a Christian. I just heard a yes. Um, so one person knows who that is. Maybe more of you know who Kanye West is. Uh, word on the street is that Kanye West is now serving a God. Now, Kanye West, if you don't know who he is, is a well-known, if you don't know who he is, not overly well-known, but fairly well-known, uh, rapper of our day. And uh, I would also add um, a known uh, sinner, uh, even give you an idea, I mean, I, I could not say the lyrics of most of, if not all of his songs, up to the point before Christ. Um, he had a picture on Rolling Stone magazine of him with a crown of thorns on his head, gives you an idea of the blasphemer that he was. Word on the street is that he is saved. Okay, so... I'm not here to say I know if he is, but I'm telling you that that's the word, and time will tell, I would say to that. Word on the street, in this parable, if you look at the context before what we read, is this, is that Zacchaeus, this notorious, not rapper, but chief tax collector, is actually saved. Did you hear that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham? Zacchaeus is saved. Zacchaeus, of all people, is this sinner who has used his entire life to get rich off of us, his own people working for the government and gouging us, and apparently he's saved. But maybe time would tell. Now the difference would be with Zacchaeus is it sounds like Jesus himself has proclaimed is true, but maybe they're thinking, is it? Verse 11 says, they heard these things and he proceeded to tell a parable, and here's why he tells it, look. Tells us right there, because he was near to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So, as they heard these things, Zacchaeus, did you hear? Zacchaeus, this sinner of the day, is actually saved. They also know what the real news is, the kingdom of God is coming immediately. It's going to appear any time now. And even his disciples, as he came near to Jerusalem, would have been thinking like, like now, right? Like this, it's going to happen. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to connect the dots between, did you hear, Zacchaeus, and kingdom of God, and he's going to now connect the dots for them between the two. There is no question Zacchaeus is saved. Thus says the Lord, Jesus Christ said, this is the son of Abraham, I came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus for sure, is saved. That's not really the question. The question is this. Are you? The question for them was, okay, Jesus has said he's saved. His stewardship appears to prove it. Look at verse 8. Zacchaeus right away gives half of what he owns to the poor. That's crazy. I mean, if my son's adult kids, let's say, came to the Lord, I'd say half, like maybe, maybe an eighth, but half, like that's dangerous. Zacchaeus is radical here, and his stewardship is, you could even say, crazy, unethical. He gives half away of what he owns to the poor, and then four times he pays back what he's stolen. 
So the real question again is not Zacchaeus, is he ready for the kingdom of God? The question for them was, and Jesus was answering, is are you? Are you? If the kingdom of God appears immediately, if Christ comes immediately, your stewardship is going to prove if you're ready. We could talk all day about Kanye. Is Kanye really saved? What about Kanye? And like, what's he doing next? And but the real question is, are you ready? Maybe you say, of course I'm ready. No, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I would say this from our passage. Your stewardship will prove. Your stewardship will reveal if you're, really, if you're really ready. Brings us to our first point. It's this. Your stewardship will reveal what you think of him. Your stewardship will reveal what you think of Jesus. Look how Jesus starts the parable. Now sometimes... When we're told he says, we kind of add that in, but literally nothing's spoken and first words are this. Listen, verse 12. A nobleman. He starts his parable with a nobleman. In in many ways, this could be the parable of the nobleman. He says a nobleman. Who's the nobleman? The nobleman was a leader of the day, a ruler, a master. This one appears to be very well off. And we know the nobleman, Jesus is speaking here, of himself. The nobleman is Christ himself. Jesus is the nobleman. He's the only one capable with the resources to pay off our debt. He's the only one capable to pay the debt of the sin that we owe because he paid it with his own life. And when he paid that debt, he paid an eternity of punishment in hell. Now, I'm not great at math, but I was told in math that you can't um, pay off eternity. Eternity doesn't have an end. You You can't do that. It's impossible. That's what we owed, and the nobleman, our nobleman Jesus Christ, has paid it off because our nobleman is God. And God himself in the flesh gave himself and paid our debt. And then our nobleman, Jesus, is extremely rich, is infinitely rich, is, in fact, righteous. And he says that he then, in his riches, credits to us his own righteousness, the righteousness of God. And you've heard me say before, where does the righteousness of God come from? From God. This is our nobleman. And it's fitting that Jesus starts the parable with this because if you get the nobleman wrong, you get it all wrong. And what you think of Jesus will determine how you steward your life. What you think of the nobleman will determine how you steward your life. And so, what do we know about the nobleman? Look at verse 12. 12 to 13, we know this. He went to, or sorry, went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. That's what he was going to do, but verse 13 says, Before he goes, this is what he does. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. So he calls ten of his servants. He gives them each this mina, which is the equivalent to three months' wages, which is maybe $15,000, let's say. So he gives them each fifteen grand. And then he says, I want you to do business with this. Oh, and by the way, I'm leaving to a far country. I'm going to come back, but I don't know when. 
Imagine saying that to your children. <laughs> Here's $15,000. Oh, oh, anyhow, I want you to use this kind of for the betterment of, of our property and our home and the family name. And so, oh, but I'm going to be gone in a far country. $15,000. I'm going to be out of town. And I don't, I'm not going to have cell reception and I'm not sure when I'm returning. Well, you know what? That sounds like the beginning of like an epic movie. You're going to find out right away what your kids think of their master, what they think of their parents. What are they going to do while you're gone? Out of the country? No, uh, no cell reception? Your stewardship reveals what you think of Jesus. Your stewardship reveals what you think of Jesus. So a couple questions from the text. One would be this. Do you hate him? How's that for a harsh question? Do you hate him? You hate him. I'm here this morning. For some, the answer was plain. You look at verse 14. It says, But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. So who are these citizens? Well, if you notice, it says, His citizens. They were Jesus' citizens, Jesus' people. They were the Jews. This is what Jesus is referring to. He's calling out the Jews. They were the churchgoers. They knew where the temple was. They were the ones that did the sacrifices. They worshipped. They had deep traditions, many of them godly. They knew the name of God, and they hated Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you, you think I'm just another leader, Another option of someone to rule you, like the Romans. They're bringing in these leaders, these pseudo-leaders, and you hate them. You push them back. You think I'm one of those. Notice what the text says, though. They hated him, but they don't say that. Look what they say. We know they hated him, because we're told that. But they say, we don't want you to rule over us. And the question I think fitting for us is this. Are there areas in your life, are there areas in my life where I do not want the rule of Christ? Maybe things you hate being questioned about regarding your stewardship. Maybe you have topics that you just, you hate even being interrogated. You feel interrogated about it, whether it's your time or your hobbies, your work, your money. Maybe there's topics you avoid or people know you just don't talk to Kyle about that. Maybe things, if you're like me, things that are brought up that instantly just seem to make you angry. Or maybe there's things where you've got your crowd. You have an answer and you say, yeah, and so-and-so and so-and-so, they agree with me. Maybe you've got your delegation like the Jews were and you say, no, 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 not here and here's the people that agree with me. And I would just say this, in those moments, your stewardship is revealing who your master really is. I may say my master is Christ. I may never say the words come out of my mouth, I hate him, but yet how I live is as if I do. Not here, Christ. You're not going to rule here. And so do you hate him? Second, do you love him? Do you love him? Look at verse 15. When he returned having received the kingdom, uh-oh, so he got it, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. So he returns, 
And it's assumed there's going to be some gains being made here. And so two servants, we find out right away what they gained. Okay, they did pretty well, especially the one, right? He gains 10 times what he was given. So if he was given $15,000, let's say, some math here, he would have gained $150,000. I had to check that on the calculator just to make sure that that was true. And it is. The other one made about $75,000. And so maybe the question you're thinking as you read the text is like, how? How did they do it? I mean, why was the, the 10 times guy a 10 times guy? And why was the five a five? And, and maybe you're tempted to, to think, man, I wish I could ask some questions or figure out like maybe there's just some high gifting maybe with the 10 times guy and not as much with the five. Or maybe collectively together, they just, they had a lot of influence. They had a lot of, business skills, maybe they had a real strong devotional life. And we would take their lives and try to mimic maybe their lives to see if we could get the same results. I think we'd miss the whole point. And to tell you why they multiplied what they did. It was out of a love for their master, for sure. If you're given that amount of money, you have to believe some things about your Lord. You have to believe, first of all, he's noble. Is this money good money? Is he really going to do what he said? Is he worthy to serve? They would have had to think he is worthy. He is noble. He, he said he's getting the kingdom, and he's going to get it. And he said he's coming back. He doesn't know when, but he's, he's coming back. And this is to be multiplied for him, and he is, again, worthy of it. And so they would have known these things. They believed these things. They loved their master. If you're going to continue in faithful stewardship for Christ, then you're going to be needing to daily remind yourself of these truths of who Christ is. Again and again and again, when, when times come, you're stewarding your life and you feel like, have you ever had this? I don't understand what's going on. Like, like all the time? Well, he's noble. This is extremely tough, Lord. I, I don't know if I can keep this up. Well, he's worthy. It feels like I'm losing everything. We remember, well, he is one. How much longer? Where are you? And we remember, no, 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 he's returning. I can trust him. I love him. What happens is then we, it motivates our stewardship for him. Third is this, are you afraid of him? Are you afraid of him? Look at verse 20. It says, then another came, so this third servant, remember there's ten of them, but we kind of get three of them highlighted here. He says, the third servant, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, which is strange. Why did he do nothing? And again, you look at that maybe and say, well, I know why. I mean, the guy wasn't a businessman. The guy wasn't very gifted. He didn't have very much influence. His devotional life wasn't good enough. Well, he tells us why. Look at verse 21. He says, I was afraid. To be real clear, I was afraid of you. Because you're a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And then look what happens in verse 22. The nobleman replies. He says, really? Really, that's who you think that I am? I will condemn you with your own words. You, and now he calls him wicked servant. So we find out he's not truly a servant. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but there is for those who aren't in Christ. 
He's condemned as a wicked servant. You knew that I was severe. I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? He says, at the very least, you could have done what I'd done, I think, in grade six. You put in $100 in the bank. What's interest, mom? Oh, you get a little bit back. Every month? Yeah, and in six months you get like $2 or something like that. But the, the point is, I did nothing. I literally, like, I did nothing. I had 100 and I got 102. That's amazing. I didn't do anything. He said, why didn't you just do that? You don't know who I am. That's what he's saying. If you don't know who I am, then you're a wicked servant. And your stewardship is showing it. You know at work, if, if, if people don't like the boss, what happens at work? Production goes down. And the worse that he is hated and misunderstood, the worse production is, right? I want to I share with us from the text three lies about Jesus that will destroy your stewardship. Here's three lies to be guarded against that will destroy your stewardship. And the first is this. He's severe. This is what the wicked servant believed. Verse 21, he says, I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. You're severe. You're harsh. You're strict. You're, you're too intense. You're just unrelenting. Here's the thing is that stewarding your life for the gospel, stewarding your life for the kingdom of God, can I just say this, is severe. We're promised that we will suffer. We are promised salvation. We're also promised a cross that we're to bear. And because of that, the great temptation for us is to believe when we steward our lives for the Lord and it is tough and there is suffering and it is severe, we can believe the lie that God is therefore severe. He must be severe. He doesn't understand. He's expecting too much. There's too much pressure on me. He's always making me feel like I don't measure up. He's always making me feel guilty. And then what happens is stewardship stops. Production goes down. And why would you, why would you keep serving if that's the case? I would just say this, good steward, good servant, cling to the truth of who your master is. Your master is not severe. Your master is Jesus Christ, and he loves you. And his love is steadfast. It's not, it's not on a graph doing this. It is rock steady, steadfast. He is gracious to you. He is patient with you. He does not treat you as, you sin, as your sins deserve. In Christ, he does not treat you that way. He is infinitely good and perfectly loving. And so when we look at that and things are severe, it increases our stewardship. And we steward everything for this master. Second lie is this, he's a thief. The wicked servant says this, you take what you did not deposit. He says, you take what isn't yours. It's not yours. You care nothing for what I've put into this life. You care nothing for what I'm giving. And you just take, you're a thief. I'm going to say again that stewarding your life for the gospel involves investing everything. This is what it involves. It involves, in fact, losing everything. Jesus said, lose your life to gain life. And so if that's what it means to steward, when you're doing that and you're losing, you're going to be tempted to feel like God's a thief. And then your stewardship's going to stop. Oh, I prayed for healing 
and she died. You think, at least I could deserve a break. Give, 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 and no break. I spent all that time with that person, years invested, and they've just, they left. They walked away. I gave, I gave all that money, and it was just squandered. I've lost respect at work because of my faith, Lord. I stepped out, I put it on the line, I lost my job. And the list goes on and on and on. That's what's going to happen as you steward your life, and you're going to be tempted to think, God, you're a thief. I can't do this. And stewardship stops. I would say, good steward, good servant. Remember the truth of who our master is. He's Jesus Christ. And those who have faith in him, he says, I take your sin. And talk about a thief. I take your sin from you, and I don't give it back. I take it from you. I clear your debt. It's finished. That's amazing. That's the truth of, of who he is. And so when we remember that, and we steward everything for him. Third and last lie is this. He's a slacker. The wicked servant says, You reap what you did not sow. You benefit from all my hard work. But here's the thing. It's all my hard work. It's all mine. And you're reaping all the benefits. I guess it's all for your glory or something. I want to say again, as you steward your life for the gospel, as you do this, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Coming here this morning, I'm going to like, guarantee it was hard for every one of us on some levels. And some of you maybe this morning have felt like just coming, just coming today as part of stewarding your life for the Lord. Just coming today, you're like, man, that was tough and I, I lost this or I'm anxious about this and, and you'll feel this is hard. And it's tempting to believe I'm doing all the work and God is the slacker. He's using me. Look at all I've done for him. I get nothing in return. I'm still struggling with my health. I'm still struggling with sin. And the list goes on because it's difficult. And again, I would say, good steward, good servant, cling to the truth of who your master is. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the hardest working human to ever have walked the earth. Fully God and fully man. He came as a man, he lived in your place without sin, he suffered, was punished, was tempted, he died in your place, he bore your sin, and then he rose again. He defeated the grave. Then he says, this is what I've reaped, new life for you. And what Jesus Christ says then is those who are in Christ that would trust in me, I give you what I've reaped. I give you that. He has worked for it and he gives that. To you and I, the righteousness of God, all his rewards, that we would be part of his family, adopted into that, an inheritance to come, counted as righteous. The list goes on and on and on. And so we remember that and we steward everything for him. So it's clear your stewardship, as you look at this, is going to reveal what you think about Jesus. And our second point, this your stewardship will reveal what you're doing for him. It's going to reveal what you think about him. Your stewardship also is going to reveal what you're doing for him. Look at verse 13. It says, Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. When he says engage in business, what he is saying, what that, that phrase is saying is be busy. 
Be busy. How many of us need to be told this morning to be busy? Do we feel like, amen? I didn't hear any amens for that. Be busy, amen, I should be more busy. Like nobody, right? Like I think, safe to say, most of us, if not all of us, are like super busy. So the question is, with what? Right, and notice what he calls them. He calls them his servants. You know what it means to be a servant? This word that he chooses, you know what it is? It's slave. It doesn't say he calls up his farmers or his pastors or his plumbers or his mothers or his fathers, his sons or daughters or businessmen. He calls his slaves. And he calls his slaves to himself because that is what we are. In Christ, we're his slaves. And everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary. So a question for you then in how you're stewarding and what it's revealing what you're doing is this. Are your efforts for one business, like singular one business? We hear all the time, you know, my kids are getting older now, so they're getting to the age of like, hey, what are you going to do, career, school, right? What are you going to be when you grow up? Are you going to be a doctor? Who are you? Are you a doctor already? You know, are you a businessman? Are you a farmer? Are you a professional athlete? Like, what are you? What are you going to be? I would say on some level, that's a fine question. And on a whole other level, that's an awful question. You are a slave of Christ first. That's your number one business. And everything else needs to be leveraged towards his glory. The first two servants maybe were doctors. They were maybe farmers. Maybe they were professional athletes. Doesn't mean they didn't enjoy a holiday. I'm sure they enjoyed good meals, bought clothes, they maybe worked out, they had degrees. But all of those things, it's evident from the parable, all of them were for the multiplication of the main thing. Look what they say. Your mina blessed the socks off me. No. Your mina has made more minas. Look at that. We are your slaves, and your mina made more of that. That's the whole thing. My, my daughter asked me a question yesterday, and I thought, how fitting. She maybe is learning this in homeschooling. I'm not sure. I should be more alert to what my kids are learning since my wife is teaching them. I'm guessing she got this in homeschooling. She says, Dad, if you broke up your day in a pie graph today, what would it look like? Oh, do you know what a pie graph is, right? It's like a giant pie. It's a circle, and it's got pieces drawn in it. Some are really small, some are really big. And I said, well, probably half the day I'll be finishing prep for today, so sermon prep, and uh, I'm going to eat. That's probably 15% of my day, and which I'd already done because it was breakfast. I said, uh, bathroom, uh, plan on going for a walk and a watch uh, Owen's hockey game. That's another 10, and we just kind of worked through the day. Here's the thing. The entire graph, whatever your day looks like, for some of you, your day would have been like, I did diapers like 50% of the day yesterday, right? Like I was stuck in traffic in Toronto forever, right? And that you look at your graph and you're like, that's a big chunk. All of it, I want to say this, all of it is for the main thing. Minor multiplication is for the glory of God. How's that possible? It's possible. It's true. All of it. All of it is for that. Everything we do is for the fulfillment of the, you know this with our church, right? Fulfillment of the what? Great commission, right? Matthew 28, make disciples in the spirit of the great 
what? Commandment. The great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and then love your neighbor as yourself. Everything we do, the whole pie, is for that. Now, I want to be, I always want to be honest with you and just to say this is a daily battle with me to make sure that not one of those pieces becomes the whole pie. This is, like, hear me, I don't know if you believe me. Daily, I'm fighting against one piece being the whole pie, something being all-consuming in my thoughts, my emotions, my desires, whether it's money, what I do with my money, rentals, my job, my, you know, for you maybe it's grades or whatever it would be, health, even the kids. Some of you in your graph, it's like, it's, well, it's all about the kids. You have to understand, no matter how big that piece is, it's actually all about the Lord, and that includes your kids, and it's so easy. Scripture says, when you make something that's a good thing the main thing, it's idolatry. That's what it is. And our stewardship will reveal what our real business actually is. So do you have one business or a second this? Are your efforts for a side business? Are your efforts, your stewardship of your life, is it really for a side business? Now, side business is what I had in Alberta before I moved here. I had a can collecting side business that was lucrative. I mean, in Alberta, every can is 10 cents, and then anything over a dollar, over a dollar, sorry, over a liter is 25 cents. It's like a full-time job. Like, that was my side business, and I, I'm, my kids were, like, modeling it after me. They'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, and they'd have, like, a shopping cart pretending, and they'd be like, oh, and then they'd go down, and they pick up something. What'd you throw in there? Oh, I pretended to throw in a can like daddy. Like I was doing this every day and I was doing quite well at it. But here's the thing is that was a side business. It wasn't my career. It was just like a side thing that I was over the top about, quite honestly. On dates, I would like stop on the highway. Julie's like, no. I was like, it's, it's over a liter. She's like, don't do it. It's all consuming, this side job. For the wicked servant, the Lord's business, can I say this? was a side job. That, that was actually this, this thing, this side thing that was wrapped up literally with a bow and reserved over here. Do you know the word when he says that phrase, I kept it laid away? Do you know what he's saying? I reserved it. No, no, that, I've, I've, I know that, Lord. I've, I've actually reserved it. It's safe. It's, it's over here. That's kind of my side thing. It's for Sundays, that's like a today thing, a this morning thing. That's for missions. I had a friend say to me uh, once that everything that he was doing was uh, so that he could save up money so that he could just live for missions later. Problem was, his life didn't show that, and he's now passed away. That's for later. That's that, that's that thing that's over in the corner that I'll get to later. It's laid away so if someone asks me what I think about Christ, yeah, then I bring that out. When I fall on hard times, then I'll bring that out. Or like the uh, famous uh, Spanish-speaking wrestler, Nacho Libre says, you know, those are for churchy opportunities, right? Those churchy opportunities, looking for those. That's, that's what this is about, right? That's what I'm stewarding it for. I've kept it safe, Lord. It's reserved. I've got that. But look at it, 17. The good servant of 17, verse 17, was faithful in a very little he was faithful in a very little. Most of our lives are these massive things. 
The very little was his life. And let's face it, most of our lives are just little things. They're not these massive moments. I would count even coming to church as like one of those bigger, massive moments. Most of our lives, though, are things like, like what? Like my wife says, what did you do today? Uh, and I literally don't know, which is concerning as a pastor here at the church for you probably. <laughs> right? But it's like, well, I know I was busy, but like if I try to break it down, I'm like, I can't remember. I know that you've experienced this. What'd you do today? What'd you do in the weekend? Um, uh, there's not these massive moments where like, well, there was this kid who was trapped in this vehicle and I did, like it's just, it doesn't happen, right? It's just like, well, I changed diapers and I did the dishes a lot and I mowed the lawn, right? Like, and this is what it's mostly about, but are you being faithful in that? Are you being faithful all of it for the glory of God, for the furthering of his kingdom, Right? But we forget this. We need to be reminded of this because it's just mundane. It, doesn't, it feels like it's, it can't be part of this. Right? Like yesterday I was eating my uh, lunch. Just eating lunch. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, I don't know what it was actually. A sandwich, let's say. And my daughter starts playing the piano and she's like, starts playing this like epic music. Right? It was like, I don't know. It was epic. It was like, da 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 And I was like, all of a sudden I was like, whoa, this lunch is like, amazing, and it's so epic, this sandwich, right? And I thought, man, if we could just like play music like that continually, we'd just be like, yeah, mowing the lawn's awesome, you know? And, but in a sense, it is that. Do you know that everything that you do is for the glory of God? Man, like that's why it's so nice at home, like play worship music, remind yourself, like right now is for the glory of God. So, how you steward your life is going to reveal what you think of the master, what you're doing for him, and then lastly, what you can expect from him. Your stewardship will reveal what you can expect from him. So we'll question that. Will you be given more? Well, one day will you be given more? If you look back at verses 17 and 19, you notice what the good servants were, were, were rewarded with? Do you see what they were rewar- rewarded with? It wasn't Florida, although Florida's fine. It wasn't a big holiday. That could be fine. They're given more things to steward. And it seems to be directly related to, to how they stewarded. Oh, oh, you made ten times, you get ten cities that you're over. Five times, you get five cities. Now, I don't know if you're like me. When you read that, I don't know if you're like, man, like, I'm struggling with, with coveting. I wish I had 10 cities. I wish, wish I would have got, you know, hopefully one day I can experience this. We don't think this way. You know, if I try to do this with my kids, hey, hey, you did really, really well. I want to reward you with more work. Right? Like it, they're like, what are you talking about? I want my Florida. I want my holiday. No, 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 no. Daddy loves you, and here's some more work. Like it, we, we almost don't have like a, a category for this, but this is what's happened. This is what happened. And also, look at verse 24. Even the servant who had the most is given more again. It says, and he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Now, was the guy with ten like, no, 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 I got way too much already, right? They said, Lord, he's got ten minas. Like, man, like what's, but they're saying it in the sense of why, why is he getting that? Like he's already been rewarded. 
You know, I, I used to think that those sign jobs you see on the highway with the people, right, just stand there with a sign, I used to think that was the best job on planet Earth, okay? I, I grew up in a small town, Saskatchewan, where there's, there's three billion roads and like three people live there, right? And so the sign guy literally did nothing all day. He had a stop sign, but there's no one there to stop because no one lives there, right? And I'm like, that's the best job ever. You're getting paid for that? That's incredible. You're a genius. Until you get onto one of those jobs and you're like, I'm going to die. <laughs> this is the worst job on earth. I'm not doing anything. There is a great joy to serving our God. Do not think that it's all about the holiday. All of it is for the Lord. All of it, even the rest and the holiday. Scripture speaks of, it, of our, our stewardship for the Lord. More, not like a sign job, but more like war or race or a fight. Right? We labor, we toil, we race. I beat my body into submission. Struggle, fighting the good fight. And there is no greater joy and no greater purpose, no greater fulfillment in your life than serving the Lord with the life that he's given you. And I would say this, the better you steward your life for him now, will be the better you understand the amazing news that they were rewarded with more work for the Lord. And I would say the better prepped you'll be, and the better your work for the Lord will be in eternity. He's given ten cities, another five. What you steward now determines what you will gain. Will you be left with nothing, lastly? If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. And Scripture says what you do have is your sin apart from the Lord rightly and justly served for an eternity in hell, which is less than nothing. Verse 26 says, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It is clear in this parable that this is not an illustration to steward better, a suggestion that you know maybe we can just do better at this. What this is, is a sobering reminder of what your stewardship is maybe saying about your future. Verse 27 says, But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. It is a heavy ending to that parable. So I'm going to end with uh, the question I started with. If Jesus returns immediately, will your stewardship reveal that you're ready? Are you ready? The nobleman is going to return. Are you ready? Will he call you a good servant? Or are you an enemy? Are you part of the citizens who did not want him to rule over your life? Are you like the wicked servant who did not steward his life for the Lord and was condemned for it? Are you ready for his return? Have you admitted, has there been a point in your life, and I know that there are some of you 
that if you're honest, you think, no, I've just always believed. No, 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 I, I, I believe all this stuff. Well, so did the Jews in many ways. Has there been a point in your life where you have admitted, I am an enemy of God, I am a rebel, I deserve hell, I've sinned against the holy God. God, forgive me, forgive me of my rebellion and my sin. And you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. Christ, I believe Christ is the nobleman. He, he put my sin on himself. He became sin for me. He's bore it all. He rose from the dead. He offers me right standing with him. Has there come a point, whether it's that language or not, but you understand, rebel and now saved. And not, I wonder if I am, the nobleman is awesome. Your sin is forgiven, yours. Have you personally made that decision? The righteousness is yours in Christ. It's yours. The righteousness from God. It's not your own anymore. It's not God and. It's his righteousness. Have you done that? Are you ready for his return? And if he returns immediately again, if you are in Christ, then I just end with an illustration. Are you ready in your heart? Are you, are you longing for that? We need to look at our life and say, are we stewarding it well? What needs to change for his glory? But am I longing for this? You know, one of the things that probably gives me the most anxiety on, on earth is weird in some ways. Um, but you know when you get in like a circle and then someone's like, hey, can somebody share something randomly? That, to me, drives me nuts. Like, I get so nervous, it's just awful. And we had that happen not too long ago. We were at a Stand Firm conference with uh, the staff and some of the people here in the church. And so we gathered. There was a team time it was called. We gathered in a circle. And they said, uh, who'd like to share just what you've been learning so far? And I was like, oh, I don't know what I've been learning so far. Uh, what, have I, what would I say? What am I? Don't make eye contact. Just don't make eye contact. Don't move. They can sense movement. <laughs> You know, and just whatever you do, I don't want to be asked. And then they're like, Kyle, what do you think? I'm like, no. But I kept it in the outside like calm. I was like, yes, well, not exactly sure how to answer that, it, right? And so I get the call, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, and I'm not sure. And here's the thing. If Jesus returns immediately, does your stewardship show that you're ready? Are you longing for that call? Right? Are, you, are you longing for that? You're like, yes. Those servants that came to the Lord, I guarantee we're not like, Lord, here's your mina. The third one was, but they were like, Lord, your mina, here it is. It was for you. It was all for you. It's for your glory. Man, it was tough. It was so hard. I had to come back again and remind myself of all these truths of who you were. Lord, here it is, though, for you. Lord, I'm ready. What? I'm over that? It's unbelievable, Lord. Right? That's how I want to be. Are you ready? If Jesus returns immediately, I want to be ready. My stewardship will reveal if I am.